It's fun to be here with you this morning, and uh, our church is uh, very excited about the ministry of Missio Day Church, and we um, are with you uh, through uh, sponsoring you through fellowship and through um, financial support, as well as uh, last week as a congregation, we prayed for you in preparation for me to be here, and so we want you to know that in a far-off land known as Crete, Illinois, uh, we are supporting and loving on your ministry and, and excited about what God is doing here. Uh, Paul mentioned that I'm the most reverent. Um, I can tell you that both Paul and Laura and I knew each other when we were a little less reverent. And uh, if you ever get a sense that they're trying to be holier than thou, call me. I have stories. Um, yeah. So... Uh, you know, this morning coming out here, there was really not a bit of anxiousness or nervousness. I feel like I knew you all a little bit through um, Paul and through the stories that he shares uh, with not only myself, but also uh, just, uh, you know, I'm a Facebook stalker. Oh, I see what's going on in your church book and through your website. And so it was, it was coming come in here today. It didn't really feel that weird or that out of place for me to be able to walk in here this morning. But that's not, that's not always the case, is it, uh, when we walk into places. A few years ago, my family and I, uh, we needed to go to Philadelphia. I needed to go to Philadelphia in order to prep for a mission trip that we were going to be doing with our senior high youth group that summer. And so we headed out to Philadelphia with uh, my wife and my three kids for a spring break trip as well as a pre-trip for the mission trip. And it happened to be on Easter week, be going there. And we knew that it was Easter weekend, and so what's the right thing to do on Easter morning? Got to be in church, right? And so we, uh, I began to search, and uh, okay, where do we want to go to church? Uh, at that point in our lives, we were part of a larger church, and so I was like, oh, I really don't want to go to just another big mega church that's doing things all the same way. I'd like to try something different. So I went to Outreach Magazine. I went to a couple of other websites. Who's doing unique, different ministry? We were brought to uh, and led to New Sharon Baptist Church. New Sharon Baptist Church is in the heart of the city of Philadelphia. Now, I'm somewhat of a, uh, I don't like to be late. And so I checked out their worship time. 10.30. I'm like, all right, we're not going to walk in late. We're going to be there early. So we got there at around 10 o'clock, and um, we noticed right away that this was going to be a unique experience for us. Uh, we were the only uh, Caucasian family in the entire neighborhood. We were the only Caucasian family walking up the steps towards the church. And when we got there, uh, we were a little bit early, but at 10.30, we're looking at our watch, and I was like, wow, there's no one really in here yet. And slowly people started to come in, and then the choir starts to wander in. And at about 10.45, 10.50, um, someone starts playing the piano, starts playing the organ. And it's like there was this ramping up, and there's this building up to the service. And then the service begins. And it's definitely unique. It's definitely weird. It's definitely out of our comfort zone. We're definitely nervous. We're definitely we're, we're realizing that we're in a place that we are very, very unfamiliar. And we're experiencing 
create it within my wife, my kids especially, and in my nervousness or anxiousness. I'm wondering how many of you have had a similar experience. Maybe that's your experience right now, this moment. Maybe you're in a different place. Maybe you're not used to being in church. Or maybe that was the way you experienced Missio Day the first time you walked in. It was unique. It was different. I mean, for me, I'm not 100% sure that it's okay for me to be preaching in jeans this morning. In the passage that I'm going to invite you to turn to, Acts chapter 11, we see the church experiencing something that takes them to a place where they haven't been before. And because they haven't been there before, they're anxious, they're nervous, they're wondering what is going on in this moment. Where is God bringing us? What is God trying to do? And the truth that we're going to discover in this passage, which is a truth not only for us as a body of believers, for Missio Day Church, I'm going to speak to you as a church today, but it's also a truth for us as individual believers that sometimes God has to bring us into a place, into a moment, into a place that's so different, so unique that we're used to. He has to bring us there. He has to make us nervous, makes us anxious so that we understand where He's leading us with the Gospel. Where He's bringing us. Not only as a church, but as believers in Christ. So, if you have your Bibles, uh, grab them. Acts chapter 11. And I'm going to read the uh, first um, 18 verses of Acts chapter 11. Beginning at verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in an instance, I saw a vision. I saw something with a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon. He will bring you a message through which you and all I began to speak. The Holy Spirit came on. Came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
So if God gave them the same gift as He gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections. And praised God saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. This is the Word of the Lord. Oh, you guys are good. Paul has done well. My congregation suffers with that one or struggles with that one a little bit. I've been part of the church my entire life. There has never been a moment in my life when I can not remember going to church. I've skipped a few Sundays here and there. I'll confess that to you. I did a little bedside Baptist. I've done, uh, you know, taken a couple weeks here or off because of family vacations. But there's never been a moment in my life where I haven't said, I'm going to be in church. Now, this reality, this truth has some positives and it has some negatives in it. The positive is that I've always placed myself in a place where God can grab hold of me and speak to me. The negative is, is I've seen both the good and the bad of people in church. 22 years I was a uh, youth minister, student ministries pastor. And I, I'm not sure if you are aware of this. If you grew up in the church, you kind of understand this. If you didn't grow up in the church, that's okay. I'm going to explain to you where the role of the youth pastor falls. Basically at the bottom. You're a bottom feeder. You're the, you're the lowest on the totem pole. In fact, usually what happens if in the church there is something that goes wrong or something is broken, if something that's on the carpet, if there's a scratch in the pew, if there's something that is out of place, it had to be the youth pastor's fault, right? Those darn kids are messing things up all the time. Well, early on in my student ministry days, one of the things that we would do is we would have these um, large youth rallies. And they were things where I'd invite other churches, and the purpose was to bring together as many teens as possible, including teens that didn't believe in Jesus Christ and teens that maybe were further from Christ, and we would have these large events to make it a comfortable place for teens to come. Well, the church where I was serving, um, one night we had one of these events. And uh, in the service just prior to that, the adult service, they always videotaped it. And they had a camera on, and it was a live feed that went to the Holland home, which is a nursing home. All right? Well, that particular evening, someone forgot to turn the camera off. And so the Holland home people were sitting there and they could sit in their rooms and watch what's going on in the sanctuary at Thorn Creek Reformed Church. And these kids start to pile in, and the music starts to play, and, you know, they're jumping around in church. That's bad. But get this. This is the biggest complaint I got. They were wearing hats in church. Can you believe it? Can you believe Kids were coming into church wearing hats? That is so wrong. So inappropriate. They forgot the first part of the statement though. Kids were coming into church. But because they had defined church, because they had said church fell into a certain role, because church was a certain way, these people, and including the leaders of the church, said, this isn't right. Look at what happens in Acts chapter 11. Verses 1 and 2. Peter's been out ministering. He's been...
to a place where he's reaching out to others. And word has gotten back to the church, back to the leaders of the church, that what he has done isn't right. Listen to Acts 11, 1 and 2 again. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, he's basically going back to the mother church. He's going back to where all the leaders are at. This is the original group. This is the core group that was founded. He goes back to them, the circumcised believers, and they criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, the first thing I want to say to you as I read these first couple verses is I am thankful that the church is no longer divided between circumcised and uncircumcised. All right? I'm just saying I'm glad we don't have to check that at the door before you come in. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I I just got to go there for a second because it's in the passage. You can't ignore it. You can't leave it. So the church in Jerusalem, all right, it's amazing that these people really are criticizing him. I mean, think about what the church has already gone through. I mean, this original group of believers, these, the original 3,000 people that were there on Pentecost and the 120 people that were gathered in the upper room before that, all these people have seen God do these amazing things. The Holy Spirit came on them like tongues of fire. They were speaking in languages they didn't fully understand. The church was rocked at its very core. These Jewish believers had already gone through this incredible transformation. They'd already experienced this amazing stuff that I'm sure Paul has already brought you through in the earlier parts of Acts. And yet, when Peter experiences something new, when something different happens, what is the first thing that happens? They criticize him. You know, these these believers that are primarily in the Jerusalem church here, they're converted Jews. And so they were still, obviously, as we read this, living under some of the Jewish laws that they had been raised with. They were still living under the rituals that they were taught. And they had this preconceived notion of who God is based upon what they were taught as they were growing up. And so they had taken and they had placed God in this box. A box in which they really, I think, honestly believe as we read this passage that Jesus was only there, was primarily there for them. That their conversion, that their following after Christ, that, the, the, that God had taken and sent the Messiah that was promised throughout the Old Testament, that was, were there primarily for them. So, they're stuck with these rituals and these laws. And so to think outside of that's impossible. How many of you have uh, taken and watched the show that's on TLC called Breaking Amish? Some of you have seen that, some of you haven't. An interesting show. We're not faithful watchers of it. We watch Duck Dynasty over Breaking Amish. Sorry, I know it hurts some people that ducks get shot (laughs) but breaking Amish is a story of these 
four or five people that are breaking away from the Amish tradition. And as I watch it, it amazes me that the Amish religion has no room for anybody outside of it. In fact, if you were to decide today that Missio Dei isn't the church that you want to be a part of, and rather you go follow the Amish way, you try to find an Amish church, the process for you to become part of an Amish community, in order for you to move in there, in order for you to become part of that religion, is over a three-year process. And even at the end of the three years, they can still give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's a very, very closed group of people. As I read this passage, I'm beginning to see that the church in Acts chapter 11, in their mind, they're still a very closed group of people. But before we get too hard on them, before we maybe, you know, go, wow, man, I can't believe they screwed this up. Is it possible that we as the church often close ourselves off to different people too? Is it possible that, that we take and we define church in such a way, that we define who we are as a community, that we define through the way we do things? I mean, the very fact that, you know, I, I'm going to say this even for Cree Church, I say it for this church, the very fact that we have said that 9.30 on Sunday morning is the time in which we meet, do we take and do we place God in a box that takes and limits other people from being able to come? That takes and our rules and our regulations of when we gather for worship, that it places God in such a box that it's possible that the gospel message maybe can't move forward. But God surprises us, doesn't he? Just thinking about Peter here. Peter had to be surprised. If we go back into Acts chapter 10, which I know you guys have already studied, I mean, the very idea of this vision of this idea that he is supposed to eat meat, that he's supposed to go and sit with the Gentiles, that he's supposed to possibly hang out with a group of people that his entire life he's realized and he's been taught that no, you shouldn't be with them. But I also struggle with this even with Peter. I mean, Peter walked with Jesus for three years. Saw a moment when they had a couple loaves of bread and five fish and they fed 5,000 people. Don't you think by now Peter would be going, God's just going to surprise me all the time. Peter, who after denying Christ three times before his crucifixion, saw Jesus walk down a lakefront, call him to the shoreline, and restore him and offer him forgiveness. Peter, who I can't even imagine this, I can't fathom this, as I would be preaching up here right now, that the Spirit would come on us in such a way that we would not even be able to fathom or understand what's going on. And yet, in this moment, Peter seems to be surprised in Acts chapter 10 that he's supposed to go and eat in the house of a Gentile. God surprises us sometimes. He takes and He brings us to places. He has us do things. He has us reach out to people that we never thought or imagined that we would be able to reach out to. 
He has us enter into ministry. He has us enter into mission in ways that are maybe not defined the way we thought they would be defined. I grew up in the Reformed Church of America. I grew up in Emmanuel Reformed Church. And it amazes me today, even when I go back to Emmanuel Reformed Church in Morrison, Illinois, how different it is from when I was a kid. But God surprises us. He changes our thinking so that the gospel message can go forward. So Peter, imagine this for a moment. He's coming back to Jerusalem. Acts chapter 10 has happened. And in the end of Acts chapter 10, we read, you know, while Peter was speaking these words, he's in the house of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. This is an incredible moment for Peter. The Gospel message has been opened up to a whole new group of people. The kingdom is advancing. He's pumped up. He's excited. He's got to be on a spiritual high as maybe we would define it or say it. And he walks into the church back in Jerusalem. And what's the first thing he experiences? Criticism. Knocking him down. Trying to rob him of the joy. But what Peter does is is really good. And what maybe we really ought to think about too. When we look in Acts chapter 11, we start to see at verse 4, It says, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it happened. And he goes on and he tells the story of the vision. And one of the things that I want you to see in this is that verse, let's see, where is it at? In verse 10, look at what it says. This happened, how many times does it say in verse 10? Three times. All the vision three times. I've been part of churches where people will come to you or they'll stand up and they'll say, God spoke to me. God gave me a vision. God says we need to move in this direction. Okay? Now, how many of you, if someone came up to you and they said, God's telling me that you need to, and then they lay out something completely radical, completely different. Would you believe me? All right? God's telling me that you're to move to Iowa. (laughs) Pella, nonetheless. I lived in Pella two years myself. I know that Paul has maybe shared that that's where he's lived too. If I came up to you and I shared that to you, what's your first response back to me? No way. Right? Peter is telling them this vision of the feet that's come down. These animals are walking on the feet and God's saying, go and kill them. Go and do something that's completely impure and unclean. 
Go and do something that is completely against religion that we've said. Go and do this. And it's coming to him in a vision. But look at how many times he sees the vision. Three times. So if someone comes to you and it's just the first time they've had a vision or the first time they've had a word, you've got to kind of wonder, is that really where God's calling us? But there's another thing that Peter does that, that I think is really, really powerful in this passage that I think really is something for us as a church to consider when we may be called to step out of our comfort zone, when we're being called into a place that makes us nervous and anxious. Look at what Peter does. In verse 12, the Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. And then what does he say? These six brothers also went with me. There's community when God calls us to do something different. There's others that come along in the process. There's an affirmation because these six brothers, these six brothers that are with Peter, they got to be going, really Peter? We're going to go into the Gentiles' house and we're going to eat with them? We're going to go into this group of people that we're not really sure that that's what the Gospel message is for? We're going to go someplace where we've been told our entire lives we shouldn't go. Yet, these six brothers, what? They didn't pull him back. They didn't hesitate. They went with him. So there was affirmation in the idea of the community that that's where they were going. This coming Saturday, as a church, you're having a leadership gathering. A place for you to come and as a community, discern and see where is God leading you as a church. Paul told me about these leadership gatherings a couple years ago. That you get together and you talk about the vision. You wrestle through where is it that God's leading us as a church. You discern and you debate and you discuss and you pray. You turn to the Word of God. You do it in community. And I believe that as we look at where is God leading us as a church, where is God leading you as individuals? I mean, a word of caution, you know, if you're having, if God is leading you in a particular direction, if He's calling you to something that He's maybe never called you about, if you're anxious, you're nervous about something within your walk or within your faith, step into community with it. I know you have missional communities that gather. I know you have a fellowship that's here on Sunday mornings. Step into community and say, as I say this to you, does it resonate? Do you believe that that could be where the Lord is calling me? Alright. So Peter responds. The six go with. And look at, look at what happens as Peter preaches. I've already said it again, but I, we need to go back to verse 15 once again. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as He had come on us at the beginning. When the church, when we as individuals, when Peter here stepped into where God was calling him to go. When he ignored the warning signs, when he ignored his nervousness and his anxiousness, 
when He followed the Holy Spirit's prompting and leading, lives were changed. Lives were changed. The church of Jesus Christ is open to a whole new population of people. The gospel message is taken into an entirely new path that will explode the church in an entirely new way. If the church had only stayed within the Jewish community, if it was only the gospel was only for the Jewish people, we wouldn't be sitting here today, would we? My heritage, my background is not one of a Jewish descent. Yet God took the church. He took the gospel what humans had defined it to be and he brought it into a whole new population and the church exploded. Group of un, of this group of circumcised believers was stretched in a whole new way. I wonder if at times as I look at this passage I wonder at times if I function more like Peter or more like the circumcised believers. Do, do, I, do I take and do I define who I share the gospel with based upon my cultural background? Based upon that which I'm comfortable with? Based upon sharing it with people that I know seem to be a little bit more open to the message? Or do I step out into an entirely new arena? Do I step into new people's places? How many of you, I'll, we'll just do a couple show of hands. I want to do a little survey. How many of you have people within your neighborhood that you know are part of a completely different religion or different religious background than Christianity? How many of you have that maybe within your neighborhood? How many of you work with people that you know come from an entirely different background? Yeah. How many of you maybe hang out and spend time with people that are completely different in their religious understanding and background? I know in the neighborhood that my wife and I live in, there it, it, there's people that are all over the map in their religious background and religious upbringing. Including people that don't believe at all. Complete atheists. There's people that follow Islam. There's people that are of Mormon descent. There are people that are of um, a Jewish background. There's people that um, follow other religions that are not even as clearly defined. And I, I catch myself at times, especially with my neighbor next door, when I'm standing outside talking to him, I catch myself at times thinking, you know what? I'm not sure he could even hear the Gospel message. I'm not even sure he can hear the name Jesus Christ. And because of that, in the course of my conversations with him, I step back. And I hesitate. And I don't always bring up Christ. I don't always bring up what Jesus is doing in my life. I don't always bring up how God 
has changed and transformed because I have a preconceived notion. I have this idea, this thought that never even be open to hearing it. Do we do that? Do you do that where you're afraid to step into a conversation with the name of Jesus on your lips? Where you're afraid to step into a conversation offering the idea of prayer and Scripture as possible solutions to what's going on in people's lives? Do we hesitate, even as a church, to think about expanding and growing into new areas because we already have this idea that they're just going to reject what we have to say? Or do we follow the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit and step into a place that completely challenges our thinking, causes us to be nervous and anxious, but through the power of the Spirit when we share it, look at what happens in verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. God has even granted my neighbor through the hearing of the gospel message repentance unto life. God has even granted the possibility of forgiveness for my coworker, for a family member, for a friend. In a couple minutes, we're going to come to the table here. And when we come to the table for communion and for fellowship, when we come to the table for a remembrance of what Jesus Christ did, how often do we just do we take and define it in such a way that it's really only limited to us? And that we don't have any realization that the power of Jesus Christ moving into someone's life and transforming them could really also have them sharing at the table with us. In fact, I want, to read, um, I want to read a poem to you. I'm not usually a poem pastor, but this one I came across that really fits with this message. Tom Troger says, Look who gathers at Christ's table. See the stories that they bring. Some are weeping, some are laughing. Some have songs that they want to sing. Others ask why they're invited, burdened by the wrongs they've done. Christ insists that all are welcome. There's room for everyone. Bring your joy, bring your sadness, and prepare to be surprised by the host whose hands are wounded, who will open up your eyes when he blesses bread and breaks it. Truth and manna from above and then passes the wine that wakened in your heart the taste of love. Jesus Christ came into my life. Came into my life on a summer evening sitting out under the weeping willow tree at Camp Manitoba next to the thing they call a pond. No offense. I've swam in there, so I know what's in there. Ew. 
He surprised me. I mean, seriously, it was a surprise. The more I look back and reflect on that moment, it was a surprise. I had been in the church my entire life. I had sang, Jesus loved me, Jesus loves me since the moment I could speak. And so why is it that he had to meet me and encounter me on that summer evening? Because it was important. It was important for me, not my parents, not my church, not my friends. It was important for me to surrender my life to him in that moment. And from that day forward, I've constantly happened to surrender my preconceived notions, my thoughts, my understanding of the way that I had defined God and how I thought ministry was supposed to happen. I, I remember some of the some of the ways in which I did student ministries was unique and different, but yet it was ways in which the gospel message went forward. It was different than what I ever thought it could be. I'm even thinking now how we as a church, Reformed Church, as we wrestle with how is God calling us into the community that he's called us into? What does it have to look like so that a whole new group of people can hear the message that's within this word. A whole new group of people, as they hear the message preached, can have the power of the Holy Spirit come on to them. And they can receive the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This morning, I ask you, I challenge you to look into your mind. Write down a list. What are things that God could possibly be challenging in the way that I have placed God in a box, in the way that I've understood the way ministry is supposed to happen, in the way that I reach out to people around me? Make a list and ask God through the power of the Spirit to reveal to you the ones that you need to work on, the ones that as a church you need to be challenged on. And then, as we've seen in Acts, all the way from Acts chapter 1 to this moment, imagine how the church can continue to explode and people can continue to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words that we see in this book of Acts. And as we consider how you have moved through the early church, as we consider how you transformed first hearts and transformed souls, and even now as we get into Acts chapter 11, we see you transforming people's minds and challenging the way in which they think, redefining rules, redefining rituals, redefining religion. And we have to ask ourselves here this morning, do I need to experience that in my own mind and in my own heart? Do I have to experience it so that I not only understand you better, God, so that I not only am able to invite you more into my life, so that I am able to take and follow your leading in everyday life, 
but also so that there's the possibility, there's the likelihood, there's the hope that this transforming message of Jesus Christ can move into someone else's life because my thinking has been challenged. Lord God, may we not walk out of this place today. May we not drive home today without allowing You to renew our hearts and our minds through the power of Your Spirit, by the grace of Your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the love of God the Father. We pray this. Amen.